1: From Backpage, this is Between the Lines, a podcast that tells the stories behind great sports writing. My name's Neil White, and in this episode, I'll be speaking to Cy Lloyd about a piece he wrote for Joe in December 2019 under the headline, United with Dad. It was written a few weeks after the death of Cy's father, with whom he had spent most of his life going to watch Manchester United. I first got in touch with Si shortly after I read the piece and we had to postpone our chat as he had been a little overwhelmed by the response to what he'd written. And I wasn't surprised. Simon connected with some deep truths about our relationships with the people who take us to the game and also about the way football can sometimes be one of the last lights to dim inside the memory of someone living with dementia. It reminded me of the years I spent going to see my team, Falkirk, with my mother and father and my two brothers, and of the work of Alzheimer Scotland's Football Memories Project and others like it that use football reminiscence to improve the lives of people who are living with that disease. United with Dad and everything else Cy writes is on joe.co.uk. I started our chat by asking him how he came to write such a raw and personal piece for the site. Usually, when Martin and I speak to a writer about a piece for Between the Lines, we are interested in process, in things like research, um, how the story's developed maybe between a writer and an editor, things that just don't apply to this piece. When I, was, when I was rereading it today before calling you, I thought about two things. One was your choices, and then the second was the choice made by Joe who published the piece online. And I guess it comes back to like Genesis. And I, I want to talk more about your dad and we'll get there. But why, why did your experience turn into this piece of writing? Who, who had the idea? Did you go to your guys at Joe, your desk at Joe, and say, this is what I want to write. This is what I need to write or were they aware of what you were going through and, you know, did the suggestion come from them? How did it How did it come around?
0: I think, if I'm being brutally honest, it was purely for selfish reasons. I felt that I had come back to work after what had happened and purely for cathartic reasons, really, I wanted to kind of, like, clear my head of what, what I was feeling and I felt like the best, lo- the most logical way of doing that was to actually write it. And um, I, I kind of had started a draft myself. I, I wasn't even sure, I think, when I started started to write it if it was ever going to be a piece that was going to appear on Joe and um, my editor Matt Stanger just, just spoke to me and said uh, what are you working on this week and I said well I'm thinking of working on this and we're, we're quite fortunate really I'm quite fortunate at Joe at the minute because we've adopted a more like feature-based approach and we get to write a lot more features than we used to and they, they give you quite a lot of freedom with that so i was able to speak to matt and tell him about the whole uh, idea i had and showing the start of it and he was very supportive and, and basically encouraged me to write it and it was i would say probably one of the easiest things i've ever written in terms of it. it just flowed but also if, if this makes any sense one of the more difficult things as well
1: no it makes perfect sense and i can i can kind of imagine something like that flowing but at the same time you've got a lifetime's experience you know that's a lifelong relationship that you are boiling down not boiling down but you're selecting from for a piece that for a piece that in the end isn't long it's not a long read so you know you you're making a lot of choices all the way
0: yeah i mean i i said to a couple of my colleagues at the time it's the sort of thing that had I not thought about it a little bit more, I probably could have written a book on it. it there, there are that many experiences I've got of going to football with my dad. Not not just United as well, but there were other experiences along the way I could have quite easily crammed in there. But, um, yeah, it, it, I, I don't know what it was. It just seemed to be that um, the more important moment seemed to be quite easy to pick out as I was writing it. I, I think in terms of the actual piece itself, it probably took me a couple of hours, um, obviously going... Back to it here and there, but in terms of actually sitting at my desk and writing it, it was two hours. So I don't know what it was, but it just seemed to naturally—I do know—this might be a disappointing answer, but it seemed to naturally fall into place as it as it was being typed out. And how close to your father dying did you write the piece for joy? It was probably about three or four weeks after it had happened. As I explained in the piece, it was his death was something that we we all knew was coming. Um, he'd been just to give you a, a little bit of the background he'd been diagnosed with cancer first of all when i was at university so we're going back to probably about october 2006 so a long long time ago um and uh, prostate cancer is one of the more uh, manageable forms of it but there comes a point where in my dad's case we knew it had got to a point of no return where it had got out of the prostate which is where it was initially and had spread and from there on it was a slow decline really and the last year going back to January of last year it is when things started to really deteriorate and at what point did you
1: become aware that your dad had uh, dementia as well? When did that diagnosis come in?
0: Well, I've got to be honest, like, the former diagnosis never came. We, we, the reason for that, and uh, people who, who have had family members and loved ones who've had dementia will know this is that we were told that he needed to be in the home environment for three months before it was formally diagnosed now the specialist that came and visited him said that yes we're pretty sure it is this but we can't give a formal diagnosis unless he's in the home environment but by the point at which we'd reached he was in a situation where he couldn't actually stay in the home environment anymore he was he was not safe to stay in there my, my, my mum and dad live on the main road so my mum was forever paranoid that he was going to get up one night open the front door and go out no matter how many locks she put yeah. on it it was it was that sort of situation where it simply wasn't practical or safe for him to be in the home anymore pretty much every medical professional we spoke to who was an expert in the area said we're pretty sure he has got this but we, we cannot say officially until he's been assessed regularly in a home environment and it wasn't practical for him to be there so he's moved to hospital quite soon after that.
1: You describe in the piece an episode that I think will be really familiar to anybody who has had or has a loved one who is living with dementia. Uh, and that is a very sort of subtle description during a game towards the end of the 1718 season. We should say, in case anybody's listening to that, this who hasn't yet read Sai's piece, it's based around Sai's experiences going to Old Trafford with his father. And... During the 1718 season, he asks you a couple of times why Wayne Rooney isn't playing for United, and of course, that summer Rooney had moved to uh, back to Everton, and that's the kind of little story that I think will be very, very familiar to to a lot of people. But also that relationship, that very specific father son and you know father daughter and mother daughter sure relationship is that's that's really what prompted me to get in touch with you Si. Uh, we martin and i at backpage did did some work with alzheimer scotland some years ago they run a project called football memories which uses football reminiscence to help people who are living with dementia to um, reconnect those sort of deep memories and have something to talk about about with each other and with their loved ones. And it's, it's exactly the same thing that you describe, even in the, in, the, in the later days of your father's life. The description of an unsure and a sort of foggy conversation initially coming around to football, for, for football being a safe space. And the way you describe it, it was actually a variation on your relationship with your dad for some time. You, know, you talk about the sort of classic father-son kind of uh, clashes, I guess, during what adolescence and young manhood, but the, the the fact that kind of football is the is the glue that that binds fathers and sons so frequently is that is that a fair reflection of how things were between you and your dad?
0: Absolutely I think I also mentioned it in the piece um, I've not actually read it for a couple of weeks or maybe longer um, but I think every father son has that to an extent um, in their relationship but in my case it was exacerbated by the fact that my dad actually was the deputy head at the school I was at so <laughs> the secondary school? Yeah that's right so wow. from 11 to uh, 16 yeah my dad knew everything and you know he, he it goes both ways a lot a lot of your, your peers think that because your dad's a teacher there you get away with everything when in reality you get away with absolutely nothing um,
1: just ask Darren Ferguson
0: yeah absolutely Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Nigel Klaus Nigel yeah, yeah so um, yeah I mean like my dad because of that um, you know generally we, we, we clashed quite a bit throughout my teenage years but throughout that time it was very easy to forget things for those couple of hours where you're at the football together or in the car there and uh, again as i say in in the piece that i wrote as things got worse with his condition you start valuing that time that you have together a lot more than you did when you were younger and you realize that it is to be honest the only quality time you have together so it matters more and um, it certainly did for me and my dad
1: so when i was reading the piece it's it really does focus on on this very painful um sort of final stage of of that relationship i wanted to ask you more about the other memories that you have of going to the football with your dad. Like if, if, you, if you look back to, you know, right across the stretch of that sort of lifelong relationship, I mean, I think you mentioned him priming you for your first, for your first trip which was, was it Ipswich? Was it a, a goalless draw against Ipswich?
0: It was, in terms of first... Always good to start with a nil-nil. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can only get better, definitely. It was uh, a midweek <laughs> game against Ipswich Town and um, it was the season after United had won the Premier League for the first time so they're on the way to the double. I think it was a November night, if I remember rightly. And yeah, he, the years leading up to that, especially the, the year or two before that when he knew I was really keen and, and interested in going, uh, he'd obviously... <laughs> Gone to a lot of trouble to tell me a lot of the stories that, that he'd had from his own childhood. He was he was born in '44, in so he'd, he'd grown up idolising the, the the babes, and uh, particularly Duncan Edwards, so he he told me a lot about Munich and how that happened and, and the experiences of the games after the Munich disaster where he and friends had gone to Old Trafford and, and had forced the way in and it was basically completely packed. There was this huge outpouring of... of grief basically from the United fans in the area and he, he tells I don't actually go on to into too much detail into this in, in, the, in the piece I wrote but he, he was talking about how that first game I think it was the cup match in, in midweek after Munich he and a friend had got into the usual space they used to get into which was in what is now the Sir Alex Ferguson stand standing off stand and they cling to a rail and such was the the amount of people that were coming into the ground they ended up kind of ducking underneath the rail and holding on to the rail from the other side and having to hold on throughout the duration of the game because there was that many people coming through just to avoid themselves getting crushed really. So he told me about that. He told me about um, 10 years later when he managed to be at Wembley for the European Cup final when United beat Benfica. By that stage, he was a teacher. So he'd driven down to Wembley after school that night, got parked with his... Well, he'd got to Wembley and... uh, there was absolutely nowhere to park, it was probably about an hour before kickoff. so a policeman happened to see him in his mini and ushered him towards uh, the stadium, and this story got told at his funeral, and uh, he ended up with his bumper literally touching one of the Twin Towers, so stories <laughs> like that, uh, I grew up on that, and uh, the next morning he, uh, he, he, he was back in school, so he made the journey back up to Warrington where, where he taught at the time, and was taking full school December the next morning. Obviously, about what he'd been up to the night before, so all those kind of things came into it. And by the time I I got to my first game, obviously it was a good time to be United supporter again. In that they were they were on the way up again. They they just won the first league title in twenty odd years, and um, it was quite an easy time for me to fall in love with football and that particular team. Yes, you must have uh, you must have had quite an easy time of it.
1: You mentioned something else that I think is really resonant, and it's like commonplace for anybody who's had an experience like that season ticket holders you know especially sort of family stand or the equivalent thereof, season ticket holders which is the relationships and you only touch on it briefly but the friendships that you make with the people that sit around you and it just i just thought it coloured in that sort of Matchday day experience that you were invoking in the piece where you know you're going with your dad every day for years, or sorry, every Saturday for years, and and you just see these familiar faces, and slowly over time, incrementally, you know you get to know those people a little
0: bit more and more. It's a strange relationship you have with those people as well. Because I was saying this to actually one of the lads who used to sit behind me, Matty. He, um He's, he, I actually speak to him on Twitter, and I'm still in touch with him. But he, um, in, just in conversation, he made the point that it, it's such a strange relationship, and that you, you literally have nothing to do with these people outside. And yet, those two hours, they are like you know old friends, and and uh, you form a real bond with those people. But you yeah, have absolutely nothing to them outside the stadium when you get out there. So it's, it is strange. It's probably quite a unique feeling. I think few people that actually sit next to people in the ground and have those. Couple of hours just chatting away about the game uh, would ever pick up the phone and call them when they're outside of it, but yeah, that's that's something that I think uh, I don't know. Maybe it is unique. Maybe it's not. Maybe that's just the way I've interpreted it. No, I think there's something special about about that. You know,
1: the 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 the, the kind of relationships that start with just a little sort of flick of the chin acknowledgement. You know, you recognise that they're there every week and so are you, and then over years, sort of drip, 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 and you know, you do establish something of a. a, a a friendship a sort of fortnightly friendship with these people you might even you might even get to know their names sometimes you know their first names we well, never the surnames <laughs> never the surnames irrelevant
0: many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
1: Look, one of the things that I'm most interested in And it was the first thing that you mentioned when I first um, got in touch with you about doing this podcast. You know, you mentioned that this piece that you'd written had kind of taken over your life. So I think that's all you said. You just said that the response had been a bit overwhelming and I wanted to do a bit of a deep dive into that. So what happened to you after, um, you know, they pushed the button at Joe and that piece went live?
0: Yeah, I think if I remember rightly, I didn't really follow it much that night. It was something that I was glad I'd done. I'd published it i think it had gone on twitter by this point and i think it had gone from joe's twitter as well and it had done okay it done all right I, I noticed it done quite well so i tweeted my own link to it as i do now obviously my following is nothing like the following that joe has in terms of sheer numbers that uh, are looking at what's coming out of the accounts uh, social feeds so i wasn't really expecting much of it and didn't check back for a couple of hours and i think the first time i did it, it had like over 100 retweets which you know is is pretty good going especially for a twitter account with my kind of following i was quite surprised at that and yeah from there on i just i kept on checking back and it, it was growing and growing and growing and i think what mattered more was the amount of people that were taking time to just send quite personal messages and, and share their own experience similar experiences which was was quite moving and uh, as i say i i don't and you touched on this before it's not really just about father sons it's about whoever it is you go to the game with that you have that special relationship with it could be your mum it could be your grandparents or a sibling or just a friend it could be absolutely anyone it could be your own children and and those stories started coming at me left right and center basically whether it was in reply to the text somebody was said privately they were it were lovely, and so difficult to actually pick out one in particular that stands out because there were just so many that that you know really struck a chord. And I, I think I, I know it sounds like an obvious thing that should happen, but I really didn't expect it to transcend like football allegiances like it did. I had supporters of Liverpool who, on another day, for another tweet, for another piece of written, would be calling me horrendous names, but were actually saying how much it meant to them to have read it and, and that. Obviously, I couldn't have wished for any more from the piece I'd written than than to be obviously getting that kind of response.
1: Did you get a lot back from people who were specifically experiencing or had experienced something very similar, you know, who had somebody in their life, maybe somebody they go to the games with or went to the games with that had gone through the same sort of thing?
0: Or was it more general? Yeah, I mean, again, I can't remember specific examples, but I know there were some people that, And it was twofold really my dad's condition because obviously there's the mental side of it with what was happening with his memory and um, just how that was deteriorating and declining. But also there's the physical side to it. But I think most responses were referring to um, the mental deterioration and and how various loved ones that they'd had 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 witnessed similar things and how football was kind of like the last thing to go with people. And yeah, just that side of it really. I mean, there were obviously people that talked about... um, other other instances and and other illnesses that loved one that had basically been been struck with but i think the majority of responses i got were to do with that but i think it was a piece about loss as well in general and about how just suddenly that realization that somebody that you spent so many so many hours and afternoons saturday sunday afternoons next to at the football when they're not there anymore you really do feel it and i think that's what came across from some of the responses that i got
1: i think for such a short piece the ending is actually very, very graceful because you go from this point at the end of your dad's life, where you're describing a completely understandable moment where you're you're kind of what's you know what's the point what's what's the point of getting upset at Liverpool at Liverpool v Manu? How you know how can how can you hold that in one hand when in the other hand you've got this overwhelming grief and sense of loss, and then you sort of pivot from that to this kind of realization that that thing that we're we're sort of looking at in one way as trivial next to matters of life and death is also what was at the very core of your relationship with this man who's, who's now not there. And, you know, there's almost like a little sort of plea to the reader to just look across to that person in the seat next to them and, and sort of cherish them, you know, and appreciate them. And that was what, that was my big takeaway from the piece was just, it made me think about going to the games with my dad and my brothers and my mum and just sort of almost being thankful, you know, for those days. I thought it was a really nice way to, a really nice way to end. Although it's sort of, it's, you know, and then the, the final turn is, is, is mentioning um, your own son who I think we discussed just before we switched on is yeah. three, three years old. He turned three on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. So finally say si, finally say si, what's the plan? Like is it is it dependent on Manchester United getting things a bit more sensible before you induct him or is there an age that we're aiming towards?
0: Well if we if we're waiting for United to to become better run and well organized I think um he could be into his 50s by the time that happens <laughs> so uh, the way things are going at the minute is probably not the best way. Um yeah well he's just turned 3 and obviously uh, he's not really that focused on his football just yet which given the plight of united is probably no bad thing. um he's more concerned with his dinosaurs and his tractors as i also mentioned. but yeah i mean obviously the weekend game united lost to anfield that that to me again it, it doesn't quite matter as much as it used to matter that sort of thing but like you know that, that if i'm going to get up for a game that's the the kind of game i get up for for the very first time uh, i had the game on the telly and um Ethan came into the room a couple of times and for the first time, mother was starting to actually take notice of it and actually started shouting United at one point. Um, He understands United playing red, so I I had to explain how uh, away kits work and and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I just think I'm not going to push it too much with him, obviously. I think when he's ready, he'll he'll let me know. In a similar way to, I think, what my dad did with me in that he knew when the right time was to take me to my first game. So, when it's... uh, when it's at a point where he's probably got the attention span to spend more than a couple of minutes watching uh, a game on the telly maybe maybe I'll know it's time then
1: thanks to Cy Lloyd of Joe for talking to me for this episode of Between the Lines which is a back page podcast produced by me Neil White and Martin Gregg music is by Michael McGarry next up we've been asking all our guests this season about their favourite sports book and I asked Cy about his find out what he chose and why in the next episode of Between the Lines.